Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. This is your host, Dave Lewis. And here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. And today on the program, the whole focus is about building and leveraging strategic alliances. So for those of you in sales, those of you in marketing, you are going to hear from Rick Opel and myself how we in our careers have leveraged the channel to drive significant growth, revenue, and lead generation. So let's get Rick. Mr. Opel, how are you? Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for thank you for being here, Rick. I mean, not like you had a, a choice, did you? I said, Rick, will you join me in a podcast? And you said yes. But you're you're that kind of guy. Right. I know when things are optional and not, and this probably wasn't optional. Uh this 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 was not optional because you have a recipe that people need to hear. By the way, when I say Rick Opel, I mean maybe to you it's like someone saying Victor Wooten. Uh, who I had no idea who Victor Wooten was until you educated me. Five Grammys, right? Yeah, five Grammys. And everybody's wondering, you you introduced Rick, and Rick is our head of, he's a principal at BDO Digital and oversees our global go-to-market with partners and oversees our strategic alliances program. But he's also the lead of Rick and the Opals, our, our corporate band. Well, is it our corporate band or do you guys do gigs outside the company? First of all, Dave, that's that's probably the worst band name ever that I had nothing to do with. But uh, on occasion, we do leak out into public and uh, we'll be going out again soon, uh, kind of reformatted. Um, it's mostly Mayer. We're going to go play some John Mayer in the, in the market as well. But there are many people, I think, in the technology industry that, that love to play music. And it's just something that we've done and really bonded. Um, quite well through through the through the pandemic it's been uh, fantastic you guys are you guys are great at it and uh you, like a lot of famous musicians and late night hosts uh you guys really figured out how to put yourselves on the internet during the pandemic and the editing and the production that uh i see on youtube is great if you guys like music uh they play a lot of cover songs check out rick and the opals on youtube uh you know what we'll put a link in the description below and i enjoy every episode, uh, well, every session that you guys jam to. But it's a really cool uh, production. And I think for those of us, you know, in marketing and those of us as content creators, for you guys to adapt and go virtual during the pandemic was was cool. Any lessons from that before we before we start talking about partnerships? Uh, patience, Dave, would be a big lesson. Patience. Uh, when, trying to, when you're trying to take multiple musicians and align uh, audio and video and none of you are together, um, it's, a, it's a pretty big undertaking on the back end. But you know, we've got some talented people, um, you know, in the group that work for digital. And, you know, for them, that's easy. But for me, it would be impossible. Nice. Well, for those of you listening to the podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, first of all, welcome. But... For those of you who are not on the YouTube channel, and if you want to get there quick, just go to demandgen.tv. You can see us doing this episode with me and Rick Opal. And the reason I bring that up, not, not only is just Rick incredibly handsome with those nice, you know, framed glasses. No, kidding aside, his background is one of those where when people hang guitars on their walls and you see them on video, you're supposed to ask them about it. But we don't need to ask Rick about why he has something what looks like 15 guitars behind him in the basement. Very clever plan words there, by the way. I, I like it because you're in your basement, aren't you? I am. You are. 
uh, we know that he is a musician and he's a great musician. So I, I just want to close out this one discussion of music with a goal that I would like to have with you. All right. When you play at the next corporate event, which you do, you're the, you're the opening act, right? Typically, or, yes. Typically, I, because of my fondness for music and being uh, a closet DJ, I would like to open for Rick and the Opals, if you will grant me that honor. Uh, I'll make it happen. I, I know who my agent is, and, and, and you do as well, so I'll, I'll work it into the next uh, corporate event. All right. That sounds good. All right, you guys, let's dive into today's topic, shall we, which is about building strategic alliances, uh, which we have both done. So this will be a good dialogue. You guys are sitting on a fireside chat on how Rick and I have have done this. But let's start with with Rick. Um, Rick, one of the strategic partnerships that you're responsible for uh, is a small little software company out of Redmond, Washington, one that I worked for called Microsoft. And I'm sure people listening would, especially if they're a startup or smaller company, would want to know like, wow, how do you form a relationship with a tech giant like Microsoft? And so if you can give some context to finding that win-win relationship and how to add value, whether you're a small company or in our case, a much larger company, what, what's the recipe? How does someone form a relationship with, a, with whether it's a tech giant or a significant partner in their channel? It's a good question. And, you know, much like the golf swing, Dave, yeah. um, easy to explain might be a little bit harder to do, but it, you know, with focus, I think it's actually, it's actually pretty simple. So when I look at somebody such as Microsoft or any global software publisher, certainly um, I'm trying to understand from my perspective, where do they have a need or an opportunity that, that someone like, you know, BDO Digital or anybody else might be able to fulfill? And and when I'm trying to determine that need, that could be by, by segmentation. Maybe there's an industry void for a solution that they have. It could be by uh, customer size. Uh, Microsoft, as an example, um, splits up customer segmentation in a variety of different ways. And, and based on what that looks like, global strategic players or enterprise players obviously get a lot of attention. But as you go down market, and I'm not necessarily talking all the way to the SMB market, but maybe in the mid market, um, typically the ratios of coverage that they might have for their solutions are less than needed. So if you maybe you're offering them capacity that they don't have. And I think one other thing I've seen um, many people have success on is when new innovations are brought to market, getting in early on the new innovation and really being a thought leader on the new innovation can get you to a kind of a pole position, if you will, um, in pushing those things forward. Without question, um, you need to know their acumen, though. So you, you can't go in and say, hey, hey, we're great. Um, you know, please work with us. You have to understand what their goals are and you have to drive it forward. But those are, you know, as we get started here, some of the key things. I'm curious, you know, to hear from you uh, what you've experienced. I love what you said about capacity and also kind of jumping on the new, because that is how we formed our relationship with Adobe. So for those of you that are just getting to know me and Rick and maybe uh, are new to the channel, for 14 years, I ran a company called DemandGen, and I think a lot of you do know that. And DemandGen was started uh, as a professional services company to help with the implementation and adoption of a platform called Eloqua, which will be great context as we come back when I talk about the relationship with Adobe. We started with Eloqua, we expanded into Marketo, and Adobe, Rick, acquires Marketo 
several years ago. And Adobe really, from a tech and marketing technology perspective, was uh, core competencies and go-to-market was around more B2C than B2B. But now they acquire this company, Marketo, this technology, which is the leading uh, marketing automation system in the B2B space at that time, and, and I still think is today. And little old demand gen, who at that time was like maybe 60, 65 people, was the most important partner overnight to Adobe because they didn't know how to go to market necessarily with Marketo. All their experience was in more B2C technology. So we became very important, very relevant, even though, you know, uh, no pun intended, but David and Goliath, no, actually that was totally intended. We, we were really, really important to them and we added capacity that they didn't have to use that word. How did we add capacity? Uh, we helped them with co-selling, which we should talk about. We helped them with co-delivery and we helped them with retention, which is so important in the SaaS because they realized that every client that had worked with DemandGen, now part of BDO Digital, had worked with us, was sticky. They didn't attrit. And what does every SaaS company want? Growth at the top, and they want to reduce uh, attrition and have ideally negative retention where they're growing. So great place to start the conversation today, Rick, because that's how we came very relevant to Adobe. And uh, for the next two years, we won partner of the year for Adobe uh, for two years running. And we we're you know, competing with the likes of Deloitte, Accenture, Ernst & Young, and many other companies maybe names are less recognized, that were just giant partnerships of Adobe. You know, Dave, as, as you say that, and, and I think about, um, you know, some of the other things related to really kind of driving the adoption of the technology, you know, in a, in a cloud-based world that, you know, we're, we're in now and, and will be, you know, forevermore, driving adoption of a subscription service um, is critical. And so you really never get 100% return unless you have 100% adoption. So as software publishers, Adobe, Microsoft, whoever it may be, as they innovate and continue to innovate, you know, there's a there's a implied pipeline there of if I can drive the adoption of the innovation, right, then I will be successful and I'll be viewed. But with that, I think there, there's something to pay attention to. And that is this. If you look at the the pipeline of a global software publisher, you need to understand, you know, who you're talking to, okay, and what they actually care about. So you could have some people there that are in the partnership that care expressly about revenue creation and not necessarily about the adoption or driving, driving the success of the technology. Whereas you could have other people that don't care at all really about revenue, right? And only care about driving the adoption of technology. So you need to really understand measurement, who you're talking to, and where you sit in that funnel, you know, between click to close um, in order to be impactful to somebody's business. And when you first formed the relationship with Microsoft, that's when the company was SWC. BDO Digital acquired SWC just like they acquired DemandGen. And SWC was a more, you know, mid, smaller company uh, as we were, and both became extremely relevant partners to folks like Microsoft and Adobe. You mentioned know who you're talking to. Let's talk about that. A lot of companies, a lot of you know, clients that we work for and what I've seen in the ecosystem is they hire a BD person, a business development person, and that person is 
responsible for going out and forming those relationships. And I got to tell you, Rick, most people are are not like you. Uh, they are not like other people that I've worked with, like Anita Covelli on the team. They hire these BD people who spend a lot of money in travel and entertainment. They have a lot of lunches, a lot of dinners, and they produce no results in terms of the partnership. And by results, I mean, yeah, they might build a relationship and have a lot of fun with the partner, but there's no revenue. There's no growth. So when you say know who you're talking to, would love for you to talk about you know, the type of people companies need to hire to build these relationships and then what you mean more about know who you're talking to. Like, how do you crack into Microsoft or a company like that and get to the right people? Yeah, so there's a, there's a variety of things I think that are important here. One would be most, most of the software publishers at this point are people who are you might want to partner with probably have some marketplace where they're trying to virtualize their sales effort. And so if you can take offers that you have and surround them with their technology and get them into their marketplace, that's a good way to drive um, you know, a, a message straight to their customer. Um, but I think that Another piece here, knowing knowing you know what to do and and who you're talking to would be. Now we've got Jill Newman as an example with a team of people around us on the Microsoft side inside of BDO Digital, who clearly understands their language, and so we're 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 aligning our messaging to what their metrics are, right? Because the things that that I care about, such as maybe build revenue um, to drive to drive things for BDO Digital. Microsoft doesn't care about my build revenue. Microsoft cares about their other KPIs that that matter to them, such as the consumption of Azure or the active usage of their technology. So you've got to translate your metric and their metric. And then I think that that a big key, and and you and I have talked about this before, is you need to you need to almost make this like it's dating. Mm-hmm. Okay. The more you make it about them, okay, the more it's going to be about you. As soon as you walk in and say, I can do this and this and this and this, and you make it about you, the less it will be about you. And so, you know, you got to have some people, not only that can drive the revenue conversation, but understand the metrics and the metrics alignment so that you can actually, with with good telemetry, demonstrate the results and the impact that you're having on the business. Otherwise, it's all conversation. Yeah. You, um, you talk about that relationship and you talked about knowing the goals i want to underscore that because one of the things that we do when we start talking to the partner people we ask them specifically how are you measured what does success look like for you because let's face it if you're sitting across the table whether it's a dinner table lunch table or a conference room and you're trying to form a relationship if you don't know why that person uh on the other side of the table is what they're motivated by and so like for the Adobe people, um, partner create is a big measurement goal that they have. How much new business came in through the partner channel? So knowing that they are measured by partner create, not activity, right? They're not measured on activity over accomplishment. They are measured on accomplishment, partner create, then we are bringing them business. And what's fascinating about our relationship with Adobe, and this may work for a lot of you, is that our install base at DemandGen for years was the Eloqua market. And you would think that Adobe or even Marketo might look at us like, well, those guys are so in bed with Oracle and, and Eloqua, why would we want to partner with them? They wanted to partner with us because of our install base. They figured that if we had helped all these hundreds of Eloqua customers be successful, then we know a lot about the competition, we know a lot about the market. And so we were very effective in the beginning as we talked to our clients and our clients said, you know, I'm thinking about making a move 
boom, we'd pick up the phone and call Adobe and say, hey, so-and-so at, at this company is thinking about making a move. Maybe that's six months or three months or even a year away, but we align with the sales team to help that customer make an informed decision and decide if they should switch. And if they switch, the partner team gets partner create. Boom, everybody wins. We get a new migration opportunity. Adobe gets a new customer and we get to make some more marketers, some more heroes. So that's what that's what mattered to us. In the case of Microsoft, um, any secrets, uh, any any recipes that what why did SWC now BDO Digital? What what mattered to them? What were you guys doing? So um a few things. First of all, I think um the market size we were targeting uh mid-market, uh, that was important to them. Microsoft typically introduces um new structures and models in their enterprise or global strategic major accounts. And so if you're keeping an eye on that from a strategy perspective, typically that goes downstream into the mid-market and then downstream further. So we went in to the mid-market with really their enterprise model, uh, which made it easy for them and then using their vernacular. But I wanna I want to come back to something that you, you said around, around your relationship, which I think is an important thing that, that everybody can take away. If you've got competitive knowledge, right? And you can be um, the linchpin or have the playbook on competitive displacement to help your partner out, there is significant value there. Now you have to be loyal to whoever brought you to the dance. So if they're bringing you opportunity, you can't you can't flip it elsewhere. But if you can be the one that's the subject matter expert on where the client can go with the new technology, I think there's there's big value. Most software publishers know their technology. They typically don't know all the competitive technology other than what they've been armed with. They're they're not living it, and so I think that that's a uh, that's an important thing maybe to call out to go take a look at. Yeah. I was talking with Jill Rowley yesterday. That may name may to you have as much as Victor Wooten to me, but Jill Rowley in the marketing ecosystem, uh, she was the former Ella Queen. All right. So she was Eloqua's top salesperson. And she and I went to market together and for years were co-selling and getting out Eloqua out there. This is a really important story for you guys because you are going to face a situation, if you don't already, where when you're forming a strategic partnership, you may have a partnership with their competitor, or you may have a partnership with a company and want to go form a partnership with their competitor. And how do you navigate that? So Jill and I are doing uh, you know, tons of business together. She's Eloqua's top salesperson. Every time she closes a deal, she's like, I have this amazing services partner who should do your implementation. I'm forever in her debt from helping her build the business. But guess what? At a certain point after Eloqua was acquired by Oracle, we saw the market declining. And we said, we have to future-proof the business. We've got employees, we've got careers, uh, we've got a market to serve, and some of our clients are moving from one platform to another. We had a strategic meeting, and I, and I said, we need to form a relationship with Marketo. And we discussed like, well, how will they perceive it? You know, yada, yada, yada. And there's a whole track we could talk about that. but. I went to Starbucks with Jill, who, like I said, ironically talked to yesterday, checking in. And I told her, hey, Jill, I got to share some news with you about our business strategy and how it might impact our relationship, which I really value. We're going to form a relationship with Marketo. And Rick, literally, she started crying, like right there at Starbucks. That's how emotional she was. You know, she was the former Ella Queen, their top salesperson bled red. And now her partner and her friend 
someone she trusts is saying that, you know, to future proof my business and help the market, I need to move in this mm -hmm. direction. And the good news is we're still very good friends. Uh, and we were phenomenal business partners. And maybe not so ironic, years later, she joined the Adobe team and helped Marketo with their go-to-market. But at the time, she was angry, she was upset, and she was hurt and took it very personally. Uh, would love to hear stories from you because Microsoft isn't our only partner, right? And, and other companies, in fact, you have responsibility for a lot of the Alliance partners. So any, any recipes that you can? I mean, I just showed up as my authentic self with Jill and explained from a business perspective why we had to do it and try to take as much of the emotion out of it as I could, but it was difficult to navigate. That's a tough one. And that was probably a, something hard that you had to say to Jill. But, you know, I think about the strategic relationships that we have. And, and ultimately, I like to go to market with fewer, uh, you know, than the, the basically saying we can do everything or having a whole bunch of logos that looks like maybe the side of a, of a NASCAR automobile. But I also think that when you get a little bit too close, if you don't have your eye on the market, right, you're going to wind up losing your leverage. And so what we do with other global software providers. And I think the other, think about the tertiary providers that are important to global software providers. So if I think about an Amazon, who is downstream where I can get relationships there, make an impact and be dragged up to the Amazon. But, but I want to be able to have some diversity in my partner portfolio and my lead flow, right? But I have to balance that and be very careful with what I'm publicly saying and where I'm messaging it until I have enough momentum market momentum that i can basically be a bit more agnostic that's a that's a bit of a dance but that that point on tertiary relationships who's in their ecosystem that you might partner with in order to ride that wave up and into the global software publisher that's a great tip the other thing worth mentioning was trying to navigate you know kind of serving two masters in a way right if we have these two partnerships um, Oracle and Adobe, you mentioned about if, if a partner brings you into an opportunity, you have to live and die by that path that you are on. You cannot flip it uh, and you have to make that conscious decision or no sales rep will ever trust your team. If you just go in and, and the right thing is to do right by the client, that's for sure. But that means you might have to say, you know what, I'm, I'm here today or, or we met last week thanks to Adobe and their introduction. And if you decide to go down a different path, unfortunately, we won't be able to work with you. I just can't, from an integrity perspective, have John Doe bring us in and then uh, go with you. So I'm not saying you shouldn't go down that path, but unfortunately we won't be able. I've had those conversations, our team has those conversations many times because sometimes that's not the direction they're gonna go, but that is absolutely critical. Let's talk about positioning and messaging, right? Because I said like when our business started, we were known as, you know, the Eloqua professional services company, probably around the world. And then we expanded out of marketing automation into MarTech, into CRM, many different other capabilities. And you look at a company like ours now, Video Digital Together, Rick, we have a lot of different things that we do for clients. So let's say you, uh, you've gotten that meeting at Microsoft for your partner, you've, you've found the right people, you're having a good conversation with what matters to them, and they ask you in that conversation, well, who are you guys? What what is what does BDO Digital do? And that's your opportunity to start positioning and messaging. And I know you've got some great advice uh, around that. So how do you how do you how do you set up who you are so that uh, an organization knows you and and remembers you? So how I set myself up 
to a partner and how I set myself up to a prospect or client is, is probably different. So I'm going to address how I set myself up to a partner, right? And when I'm initially messaging somebody um, at, at a software publisher or maybe an ISV as to what our value proposition is, it's the following. You know, BDO is operating in 167 different countries. That's a large footprint. We intentionally say mid-market. And that is that is important. Sometimes that winds up being a little bit limiting um, when we're trying to go to the enterprise. Um, but but in many cases, it defines immediately and they're able to hone in on, on where we might fit in the ecosystem. The next thing I probably go with is our reach beyond our geography. Globally, we have 775,000 customers. I want them to know we've got customers and BDO given that we are the fifth largest advisory assurance and tax firm in the world. We've got reach into the boardroom. Most software publishers have reach into the CIO, the IT organization, the CMO, right? Wherever, wherever the technology might be being used to get to the business outcome. We've got, if, you, if I can get five minutes with the CEO and get something ratified, um, that's going to get me a lot of other downstream opportunities. So I want to, I want to clearly express, right? our access to the boardroom and our ability to get there. And then I think the other thing, um, Dave, that's really important is I, I want to be able to rather quickly, so you got 775,000 customers, so what, right? Well, if I know where their customers are without violating any, any privacy or data protection information, but if, let's say they said, I've got customer A, B, and C, and I looked at my list and I said, well, I've also got B and C, right? Well, ex as an example, in the United States, for, for BDO USA, uh, you know, Microsoft has 11,182 managed customers. Okay, that's what they have. I've got MSAs with 27.2% of their customers. So I am, I am easy lifting into the install base. And I want to convey to them, and this is critical, that you are easy. If you think about, you know, I'm, I'm kind of indicating how I might position, right? Let's say I did that in five minutes and then they hung up the phone. Their phone rings again at somebody else, they're positioning. I have to leave them, okay, with the fact that we have value, and then I have to demonstrate, okay, that we are easy. And if I can do that, I, I think it evolves rather rapidly. When I position then, right, back to the customer, I'm trying to position um, in a co-sell, co-market, co-delivery model with the vendor. Um, I want the client to know it's us and our expertise and that we've done this a hundred times and you're doing it the first time. I want to convey that. And I also want to show the strength of the relationship, right. That we have with the vendor. So the client gets both of us. They just don't get BDO. I think that's a, that's a really big, important thing in our business um, qualification, certification and evidence are paramount, right? So for in the client's eyes, I want to show them I've done it. I've done it repeatedly. I've done it in your industry, and here are the metrics of success, even if I'm an anonymizing them and I don't say client names, that, that were achieved. And so they, they feel comfortable, right, in the engagement knowing this isn't our first time, someone else is already successful, and we're not learning on their dime. Those are probably the, you know, the things I would, I would lead off with to answer your question. How about you? What, what, do, you, what do you do there? Well, you, I mean, you gave the recipe, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna follow your coattails. You said evidence, and you talked about the field. So, what works, especially if you're trying to crack into a very big company like a Microsoft or an Adobe or an Nvidia, what have you? 
and you want to form a partnership with them, they already have partners. You're not their first partner. In the case of actually Eloqua, we were their first partner. Um, I was a client and, and I left that job to start the very first Eloqua agency. So I had a unique value proposition there. So Rick, you saw The Wizard of Oz, right? I did. And what does the wizard make Dorothy go do before he grants her the slippers and, and takes her back to takes her back home? I think he wants her to get to get the broom, but I don't remember which witch she had to get the broom from. There was a good witch, a couple of bad witches, a house fell, Tin Man needed some oil. You know, it's kind of a bit of a blur. It's a point. it's a bit of a blur. It's a great movie. And and it was was it had had to get the broom, I think, of the wicked witch. Uh, which she used the monkeys. But anyway, we digress. What is the metaphor here? The broom is go bring me evidence. Go joint sell with my sales team. Go take down a deal together. Bring me a customer or show me you have brought me customers, customers that are happy or successful with the technology or the services that you're providing, and then you matter to me. And we would make sure that when we were doing client implementations or performing client services, I would have that client. I would literally ask them if I had a close enough relationship to say, would you send a note to Jill or to Gary McGrath or to Keith Burroughs, people that I work with back in the day, would you send them a note and say, thank you so much for introducing uh, us to DemandGen because we have had a phenomenal experience working with them. We're being very successful with the platform. We're using it very rapidly. All that, you know, I just gave them the bullet points and said, if you could send something in your own voice to it, that was the evidence that you mentioned. And I could bring those emails into the meetings with the executive team and say, hey, listen, we, we want to go to market with you. We want to do some co-marketing. So now they're willing to make some co-marketing dollars investments because I brought them, like you said, evidence that we are doing this together. And BDO Digital has tons of evidence now with Microsoft and with Adobe and with other partners of these successes, but there's always new people coming in. The, the, right. the team changes and you, you need to never, you always need to keep bringing that, those, that evidence. And you always, always need to focus on the field because your point, what, what matters is driving revenue, having that channel team and sales team being able to say, these guys, as small as nimble as they are, or if they're big, these guys are bringing us business. And just because you're big, doesn't matter. You don't drive revenue. You're, you're not going to be in favor. You're not going to get those co-marketing uh, dollars. I want to pivot to co-marketing in a minute, but thoughts, some closing thoughts on yeah. evidence and field sales. Well, uh, yeah, certainly. I think that you you called out something earlier um, that that your friend Jill moved, right? So, you know, let, let's not lose sight of people are moving in the industry all the time and, and the relationships matter. I think that's one. Two, as it relates to evidence, you know, you've got evidence to the market. I think you've got evidence to the partner, right? They probably have some internal mechanism, right? In which they publicize a win or, or a new innovation or something else. And then they think if you can get evidence, you know, in all the channels that you use that you're branding, right? In many cases, compelling evidence, somebody like a Microsoft and Adobe, they'll put it up on their website. And now clients are going to the Adobe website or the Microsoft website or the Amazon website, and they're seeing your company name, or you know, in our case, obviously it's BDO Digital, but any co-branded evidence. So I think that understand that the marketing need around evidence is not only to clients and prospects, and there's multiple channels there, there's probably a need to nurture and market, right? 
the partner itself. And you could literally create nurture streams. If I just, an example, if I just want in, uh, let's say, the Southeast in automotive uh, on a certain solution, I might go understand everybody who cares for automotive and other geographies in the U.S., and I'll go market to the partner that I just took out, took down a win in your industry on this solution. Why don't we meet next week? Let's talk about five accounts you're targeting that need that solution. And that's where you really start getting momentum and you can spread out geographically. Love it. Two more topics we're going to hit before I let you go. Important topics. One is co-marketing because I want to talk about you know, when a partner comes to you or you come to them and you want to co-market, of which we do a lot. Uh, and the second topic I want to talk about is innovation, uh, how you can innovate with partners. Um, before we jump to that, I really think that one of the things Anita on our team does phenomenally well, and this is, again, recipe playbook stuff for you guys to do. She does not leave it up to the partner to track our impact on their business. She focuses regularly on tracking the joint deals that we win, the revenue that is generated, and she builds the slides, charts, spreadsheets, all that, and presents that to the partner team, one, to make sure that they're aware, but two, just to give them the tool sets to go to the executive team and say, these guys are Rebedia Digital, they're generating millions of dollars of revenue for us, here's, here's the charts, here's the reports of what happened last quarter. And now we go, when we go to co-marketing, how much easier is the conversation when we can say, hey, by the way, we generated, you know, let's say $3 million for you last quarter. What do you say with these events coming up or some online stuff we do together? So I just want shout out to Anita for doing that exceptionally well. That's great. Uh, make sure you guys do that as you build evidence and build success. Rick, co-marketing. Let's start off with the conferences, even though we haven't done a lot of big conferences in a while. They're coming back. When a partner comes to you and says, I want you guys to sponsor this event and have a booth, whether that's a 10 by 10 to some you know, gi ginormous. What are your What are your thoughts? How do you approach that? Because sometimes, let's face it, you spend a lot on event marketing and not get a lot of results. But sometimes you gotta you gotta pay to play, depending on the partnership. Love to get your candid perspective on investing in events and then take it where you want from uh, yep. other co marketing. So when you when you're investing, um, especially when you're investing, um, maybe your partner's money along with you, you know, in co marketing, um, understand that. You know, that measurement does matter. And, and at least in the case of Microsoft and, and at least a few others that I deal with, they are tracking that. They're looking at return on marketing investment. So if they put 50 in and, and we put 50 in, you know, there's an ROI expectation on what is going to come from that touches and pressures all the way down to convert, converge revenue, converted revenue. But, you know, your point around conferences, I'm looking to, to make choices there where I can be in front of customers, right? So I, I, I don't necessarily always want to be the one that's got the platinum sponsorship at the partner conference, unless my goal is to energize their sales team and I've already got evidence that I'm easy. But if I can go get in a booth where they're really driving the clients to the booth and then I have a compelling value proposition um, for the client, I, I'm more attracted to do those types of motions. Certainly for for our business, um, we're marketing in other areas and in some cases inviting the vendor along. So, you know, we, we've got 17 to 20 industries that we care for domestically um, and we're doing a lot of industry events. Um, and, and so typically the software publisher may not be there. 
right? But but this is the case where I come back to like maybe we're in the boardroom or maybe we've got this industry experience that they do not have. That's a nice pull through there. But I think the key is I'm with customers, right? So I I want to I want to do things where I can I can touch a customer and then I want to be to the best of my ability, 100% telemetry based on my management. I spent X, uh, this many people attended, I scanned this many badges, this is how many uh, leads were created, this is how many conversations, and I want to go back and show that entire funnel, right, quantified out with this is the investment, this is the return. So if I've had success, I can go do it again. If I had some success, I can go calibrate it and do it again. And in some cases, I think that when you get a formula, and I think this is key, it could be around an event, it could be around a solution, it could be around a lot of things. They will pay to repeat that formula. So you can pitch, I want to go test this in Southern California. And if it works there, I want to go do it in 40 other cities or virtually a whole bunch of other times or hit time zones. So those are probably the big ones for me. What, what have you seen um, in, in your involvement, uh, Dave, and, and co-marketing? Uh as we all know, there's no silver bullet in marketing. So just know that there are things that you're going to do with a partner that don't work, and that's okay. Um, maybe do them as a pilot before you go all in with your budget. Uh, but we, we, we're doing a program with Adobe right now where we took the D3 methodology, which you're familiar with. So we built uh, a great ebook. And by the way, if you guys don't have this ebook, just uh, we'll make sure we put a link in the comment or in the, the show notes below. And we are syndicating that piece of content in collaboration with Adobe. And that campaign is going really, really well. So we went to Adobe and said, we've got a methodology that if people follow, they will help grow revenue and uh, they leverage your pro platform and technology. So let's get this piece of content out there in the market, to serve as a recipe book of how do people uh, modernize their, their marketing. And they put in some dollars, we put in some dollars, uh, we're syndicating, the leads are coming in, the leads are going into a nurture stream and it's working and sales is already uh, you know, has has a number now, a uh, number of leads that they're following up with. And these leads, right, will go through a pipeline. And what will we do at the end, Rick? We will communicate to Adobe the the mutual benefit that that happened to us. So syndicating content, we've done joint webinars together where we are educating, informing people about the platform. Heck, we started our YouTube channel, which maybe some people are on right now, Demand Gen TV. We started that as a way to showcase MarTech with our partners. And so we've done lots of episodes on Adobe, uh, Marketo and Sixth Sense and Demandbase, all these other MarTech tools. And our partners love that we are building content on how to use and adopt. We've done a wide range, not everything works. And so we experiment. Before we wrap up, Rick, I wanna hit innovation because that's been something that, that BDO Digital has been really, really good at. And we both have a history in. Uh, Example is that you take a look at Mercedes, right? Maybe NVIDIA wants to form a partnership with Mercedes, car company, technology, chip company. Well, if they can make the car better uh, and demonstrate how they can build that capability, that's a play in the playbook that we have both done. Um, love for you to share a story on how we've done innovation with Microsoft uh, from either go-to-market or service delivery perspective to add value and become an even more meaningful partner. Yes. Yeah, certainly. You know, and as I as I get into that, I, I think there's something to maybe maybe focus on here. Is we've talked a lot about software publishers, but I think partnerships can be you know partnerships with your clients. You can have partnerships with maybe people who are adjacent um, in, in your market, and you can get creative and really do some interesting things. So I think as you're hearing some of the strategies that that we've used with global software publishers, I, I wouldn't limit the thinking to 
this only works with a global software publisher. It's what is the what is the intersection that makes sense for two businesses to go do something together to expand your base and, and go get your reach. But listen, when I when I think about innovation, um, I, I'll give you a few examples. I have seen numerous businesses built by friends that, that have since, you know, flipped them and turned them over where they got in a bit early on, on an innovation coming from a software publisher and basically became the sales agent and the go-to technical SMEs in the market. And then they, they got all the referral piece. So one piece is writing innovation early into the market. When I think about some of the things that we've done at digital, something that comes to mind immediately for me is a product that we have called Athenogy. And what Athenogy is, is a, it's a, it's a tool to help legal professionals understand case management and a whole, whole bunch of other things. I'm not a, I'm not an attorney, but the person who drives the Affinity product line for us is a recovering attorney that's really disguised as a technologist. And so what we did, what we did there was we took two dissimilar platforms. Uh, Relativity was one, Microsoft Advanced eDiscovery was the other. And we wrote, we wrote a solution that merged the view for the attorney. The attorney doesn't care about the tech. The attorney cares about caseload and who's responded and who's not and, and all these other things. And so that innovation um, is exciting to both parties because it keeps competitors out, right? And at the same time, it's exciting to customers because they probably have both solutions. And now they're looking at that from a single pane of glass. How do we get to that conversation? Um, you're talking to your counterparts, wherever they be, may be in, your, in the partner community, and you're asking why, you know, what, what the competitive threats are, where you're losing business, right? And you're looking for some low effort, high impact way that you can maybe shore that up. And so that's what we did. That's what we did with Affinity. The other thing um, is, you know, we had a security offering that, that we announced today internally that we, it's been in market a little bit, but we're going to go bigger and broader, um, that we built on behalf of Microsoft. And, and, and that security solution, right, we looked at their product roadmap, we worked with their engineering, we had them with us all along the way as it relates to innovation. So as I take it to market, right, it's basically been blessed, if you will, by them. And they will promote that on social media. They will promote it with evidence because I aligned early and they, and they helped us through. So those are those are just a few ways that I can think of as product innovation around their stuff hopping in early. So, yeah. but, you know, we're, I, I'm curious, you know, uh, on, on where you've done some innovation. Uh, lots of different ways. I mean, I'll give a couple examples. One was software innovation. So for some of the marketing automation systems, we made uh, applets, little tools that added value to the platform, made it a better experience for the customer in some way. And what was nice each time that we did that, whether it was for Eloqua or Marketo, or even uh, some of the Salesforce applications that we built, then those teams would show like, it was almost like, here's our cupcake, and they do frosting, and, and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So we would build little tiny things that would just enhance the vendor's platform that the sales team would love to show uh, and demonstrate. So as we were co-selling together, we established ourselves as a very credible partner because it's like, not only did it sounds like they're good at the services side, but if they know how to make stuff that enhances the platform, uh, that was good. So we've done that. From a marketing standpoint, we come in and have built assets and content that really are nice complementary to what the vendor's marketing is doing. That's another way that we've innovated by just taking our thought leadership and expertise 
and helping sales be more effective. I've certainly built lots of slides and our team has for sales reps to present and tell stories to clients on the benefits of using those technologies. So we've innovated in, in how we go to market at the field level, uh, at, at shows and marketing programs together, as well as, as product innovation. And you know, if, if all this sounds like a lot, uh, we didn't do all this overnight. It's, it's part of the journey. And what all this does with your strategic partnership is my closing thought is by doing a little bit of all of this, you show your commitment to the partnership and to the journey together. And if you remember where we started, what matters to them, what are they measured on? And you, you bring back uh, evidence of achieving that as you work together. You'll, you'll form some really strategic long-term partnerships that will help you grow your business. You bring up a, you bring up a good point. It, it doesn't have to be about creating intellectual property with a product. You can make their, you can improve their sales process and have a, a cleaner version of the benefit of what their product is, which would accelerate their sales. So, you know, innovation is not just about integration or, or uh, intellectual property. It, you could, you could really, you know, just be easier, yeah. right? And then in easier, innovating to be easier, right? You're going to strengthen that partnership. You're going to increase your referrals. Rick, great session. Ready for these puns? Thank you for riffing and jamming with me today on the topic of strategic partnerships. Hope you appreciate this music. I got to give one more marketing tip before we sign off. You see this cup right here? It's a beautiful red cup. You know what? There's one problem with it, that the branding is on oh, the logo. wrong side. There so in a, in a world where we're all on teams and Zoom calls, when I say, you know, to a client, to a prospect, to a partner or to you, cheers. We got to put the logos on the other side. If nothing else in the podcast, that's probably one of the most important marketing tips that we 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 gave. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio and Demand Gen TV. Thank you, Rick, for joining me. And to all of you guys, be sure to uh, check out the show notes below. I mentioned a few takeaways that we wanted to link, including if you like music, uh, you can check out Rick and his group's uh, YouTube channel. But thanks for joining me. Uh, again, Happy New Year as we kick off the year. You may have noticed, hey, we've got new branding in the content for Demand Gen TV that we worked on over the holidays. And we're behind the scenes recording content on the building and making of a world-class marketing team. And that's hopefully a series that we'll be able to bring to you guys. But until next time, Dave Lewis, thanks for joining and tuning in. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.